0: And welcome to yet another episode of the Lions Led by Donkeys podcast. We just got done with our vocal warm-ups. Ugh. Not, no, we did not. Our sweet pot- podcasting voices come naturally, Fuck. Nick. Fuck. Fuck. Balls. Shit. This is bad already. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Nick is with me. I'm Joe from every other episode of the show. Yeah, I'm a special guest. And we are on, finally, part one of the Soviet-Afghan war. How many parts? A lot. Okay, so many. I um, think we'll get a shirt out of this. Uh, I don't know if we're gonna be able to break the uh, Iran-Iraq War level of, of shirt content. Solid, which is actually one of the reasons why this was such a, a hard series to script. Um, Iran-Iraq War, and you know, most people don't remember we also did a series in the War of eighteen twelve back in the day. Uh, it was our first series, but uh, you know, there's distinct battles um there is an ebb and flow of war uh people are losing cities you know the trench lines are being taken what even have you even flow no uh, no 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 i heard even flow for some reason
1: ebb you, and you, flow no i heard ebb that and
0: flow i heard that but then You're my fuck. my head went even per- flow <laughs> when i think Iran iraq war i think pearl jam <laughs> sorry um but you know, that this war doesn't have that at at all it, it would, it's almost exactly like charting the Vietnam War except somehow more convoluted and dumb uh which is why i'm really excited to finally be done Russia's vietnam yeah i mean mm, yes. absolutely uh for more re- for more than one reason is the soviet union's vietnam um except it had the after effect of destroying the soviet union yeah. um obvi- well Obviously, the, the Afghan war itself did not bring down the Soviet Union, but it definitely had, had a part. very large part yeah. of doing so. Um, but like every other episode we've ever done in a series, before we get to the meat, we got to explain how the fuck we got here. And like pretty much every other series we've done, it begins with a revolution. Yay. Yeah. Uh. So in this case, the revolution was called the Sour Revolution or the April Revolution. Ooh. Yeah, it's... It's got some stank on it. Um, Elbow stank. Like most things um, in the 1970s, uh, it it has to do with the Cold War. Shocker. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, The Sour Revolution is actually a byproduct of a different revolution. Uh, Go ahead and try to keep track at home because I will not do it for you. Uh, This was one back in July of 1973. Uh, At that time, Afghanistan is still ruled by an absolute monarchy and its current king um, Zaheer Shah had ruled since 1933. Uh, he was actually a direct descendant of Dost Muhammad Khan. If anybody can remember our, uh, titular hero from the Anglo Afghan war episode. Um, you said 1933. Yeah. That's when, uh, Z- that's when Zahir took the throne. Yeah. Um, now many things can be said, uh, for the rule of Dick, of 10 uh-huh. dictators and mo- and monarchies. Um, obviously we are generally not on their side, but, uh, Zahir uh, ruled Afghanistan as a fairly good man I know it's as hard to say dictator? that yeah yeah I mean so maybe I you have to take this in the realm of let's look who else has ruled Afghanistan oh, okay <laughs> not bad um it's kind of like if you have 500 bucks and you manage to get a car out of it you still got a car and it works they have a king. Sure, he's an asshole. He has an engine in him. He's running the country for, okay. for as much as he can. Um, so one of the things that you can say that he did really well is he refused the to let his country get involved in World War II. Um, and when the war was over, he actually managed to establish good relations with both sides of the Iron Curtain, which not many countries can say they did. Yeah, a lot of breakups don't even go that way. Yeah. Uh, yeah it, it, was the, it was the breakup where, like, you know, we should stay friends, but, like, you actually do, which I've never... Had wellos. Yeah. I've definitely sweet. said that on like six occasions. Oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> but, I know. usually try
0: to be the good guy yeah. in the yeah. end, but... Uh... It never works out. Nope. Uh, he knew Afghanistan was going to need some serious modernization if he was ever going to keep up with the creeping powers around him. Like He knew that the situation wasn't going to stay that way for long. He knew either the Soviet Union or NATO and the US was going to come calling into his front door. Mm. Um So he hired a ton of foreign investors and even established Afghanistan's first university Um, and also included a constitution in 1964, which promised things like universal suffrage, women's rights and civil rights. Uh, So, yeah, like like I said, he's a good king. Yeah. Uh, He did all sorts of other horrible shit that we're not really going to get into because this isn't about him. Like the normal oppression type stuff. This wouldn't be an episode without having some type of lines. Well, that's one of the things when it comes with governance, even really good governance is bad. Like everybody can a a good example is now in the year 2019. Um, People look back a few years ago and try to remember good American governance. But like good American governance also involved like drone striking a lot of people. Um, People uh, talk about how good Stalin was for the Soviet Union, dragging them, kicking and screaming to the modern age. But also he was Joseph fucking Stalin. He's so, shit. Like, yeah, he was an asshole. So like, you gotta you gotta take the good bet. the bad. That's true. <laughs> um, not that I'm comparing any of those to one another. I feel like it is, I'm not comp- comparing the king of Afghanistan to Joseph Stalin, though. Somehow the two do end up coming in up uh, together. At be some, some point. Facebook friends? They'd be mutual friends. Okay. I, don't, I don't think they to like message one another. They wouldn't poke. No, uh, Stalin's a bit of a poker. I feel like He'd he poked some dudes. His mustache definitely a poker. Yeah. Um, the um, old noodle strainer, the fucking flavor saver. Yeah, Except his, his was just like cool, his was just cold soup. Um, <laughs> unfortunately for the king of Afghanistan, part of his modernization was the introduction of free elections and a parliament, which immediately devolved into factual infighting and backroom deals for power. Uh, this is something that largely exists in Afghanistan to this day. Yeah. Um. So when the king went abroad for an i. Surgery in 1973. His cousin, who was also a newly elected prime minister, daoud Khan, launched a coup. Oh, yeah, he's got Khan leave. Um, he quickly declared himself the head of state, the army, and the foreign minister all at the same time. He fucking ran with it. <laughs> Holy shit. That's like something you do when you have no friends because you can't trust anybody <laughs> else to do anything. <laughs> yeah. Daud Khan would, like, would just show up at your party with a six pack of cheap beer because he has no friends. Speaking of that, my roommate's girlfriend's friend brought fucking cheap beer. Our barbecue one time, she's not allowed back. You're not getting an invitation back. No, yeah, I don't blame you. Uh, he also abolished the monarchy and declared Afghanistan a republic. Uh, now, that, did he do this? What was his time span? Of, like, was it a week? It all happened pretty fast. It sounds like he did it the day that day. I mean, there was a lot of there was like months of backroom fighting and things like that going on, but the the action of the coup all happened while uh, the king was. Getting his eyes treated. Uh, also, it should be noted in 1973, when the king was overthrown, it was the last time Afghanistan has known a time without war. So, thank you, Daud Khan. Oh. Yeah. Nice. No, not really. Not time nice. without war. That was the last time it knew oh, a time without fuck. war, Nick. <laughs> I, heard, I heard something else. I heard time without war. I was like, oh. Yeah, it has been a. Sweet. I mean, I don't know if you've been paying attention to Afghanistan lately. Not good. It's no, not yeah. good. <laughs> I don't think it is. Um, it should come as a surprise to absolutely no one that Daoud was kind of a shithead. As president, he was convinced that closer ties to the USSR was the way to go. Uh, as. Soviet power would allow him to settle bitter border disputes between Afghanistan and Pakistan. Uh, border disputes that Daoud not only made worse by training and arming a Baloch militant group inside Pakistan. Um, they're, they're like a um, separatist group. Mm. Um, and to get back at Pakistan, he decided good, it would be a really good idea to arm and train them to fight the Pakistani government. Uh, not a good way to make friends. No. Uh, Pakistan responded in kind by funding and arming militants inside Afghanistan. Uh, some of these names will be important later on, uh, like family names like Hakani and Hekmaytar. Uh These are elements that still exist to this day. Uh, really? Yes. Um, and it turns out, however, taking a, country, uh, taking a country over rife with political infighting by force does not get rid of the political infighting. David would force a new constitution through in 1977 that pissed off the few people that the old one did not. Daoud was getting increasingly worried about the country's dependence on the Soviets, a dependence that he created. It should be noted, um, so in order to show them he was not just another Soviet puppet, he cut away to uh and modernized some of Afghan socialist elements. Um, now he was it's kind of hard to explain where he felt politically because it's pretty obvious that when Daoud took over, he cozied up to the idea of Soviet communism just to get free shit because we we've <laughs> talked we've talked about this a hundred times. In the Cold War, to get just an endless oh, supply yeah. of Soviet weapons, you just had to go, you know, we love the and si- hammer and yeah, sickle. I own one. Yeah, and they just fucking unleashed the pipeline of yeah, endless he, arms. He's and, the guy that's into free subscription shit. Yeah, yeah. He, he waits the 30 days and he cancels. Yeah, he's like, ah, I gotcha. got you. Got you, fuckers. He's like every single person who doesn't actually own, uh, like, Netflix, but has passwords from everybody mm-hmm, else. Yep. And then when so- that's me. And then when somebody comes calling... Like, hey, man, maybe you should get your own. Whoa, 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 whoa. thought we were in this together. Uh, But he created all these problems himself. Um, And then he decided to shake up the Soviet communist elements they introduced into the country. Because that's kind of how the Soviets got back with uh, or got what was worth the relationship out of them. It's like, you're going to embrace communism. We're all going to work together, hypothetically. Not normally what it works. Normally involves if you give all your shit to Moscow and we give you guns. Uh, (laughs) Good trade. Good trade. All right. um, And that's kind of what was happening. So he decided to backpedal a bit. Unfortunately, the Soviets don't tend to like that. Just like, I mean... So he tried... The Soviets are alone a doing subscription. His, Yeah, yeah. You can't cancel your subscription to the USSR. it Turns out, no, that iron curtain is really heavy. I mean, both sides of the, of the Cold War did this to its satellite and puppet governments all the time. Like, oh, you want to? You don't want to be communist anymore? We're gonna have to kill some people. I mean, look at uh, what happened in Latin America when they decided that capitalism wasn't really working out for them, and they're gonna try socialism. We killed like so many of them. <laughs> like, this is something that happened throughout the Cold War. It turns out, when you centralized so much power and the ability to end the world with nuclear and biological weapons, everybody involved is kind of a fucking asshole. Um, and you don't say? Yeah. It, it doesn't breed good people. <laughs> you know, maybe, I'm just saying, we shouldn't have the power to end the world. No, we shouldn't. <laughs> no. Um, so, it is with these, uh, this reformation of, Soviet, uh, of Afghan-Soviet communism that we get to see how big of a dumbass Daoud is. First of all, domestically, the communists and the socialists of Afghanistan had been one of his major backers while overthrowing the king, while Daoud wasn't necessarily a believer himself. Uh, The communists and the government wanted closer relations with the Soviet because, of course, they did. Um, The problem was, once you had had communists in your government in the 1970s, the West wasn't going to work with you anymore. So you might as well just go all in on the communism. Yeah. Uh, so by trying to toe the line, Daoud had pissed off both the communists in the government and made the Soviet w- Union worried he's going to try to turn Afghanistan to the capitalist West. He, this is like the the Simpsons episode where they have the infestation in Australia, so they introduce another animal and cause yeah. another al- infestation. Except it's the Soviets. I guess this <laughs> didn't really work. It worked. That kinda. analogy didn't really work. It wasn't bad. Um, it wasn't a bad one. So. Daoud then promptly shot himself in the dick by telling Soviet prene- uh, Premier Leonid Brezhnev a certified insane person to his but. face that no Afghanistan would not be removing NATO advisors that had been working in the north of Afghanistan. Um and Afghanistan would not be listening to Soviet suggestions on how the country would be ran. Now we're not going to go deep deep into how crazy Leonid Brezhnev is, but he was fucking nuts. A lot of this you had to be do- certified. He was nuts. Um and there's documented evidence that oh, he was an insane person. Um a lot of this had to do with the fact he was really fucking old and had no business running a country. Like He was, he was in his 80s or 90s, um, and he awarded himself multiple Heroes of the Soviet Union medals, which is their version of the highest medal in the world. Um, I smell cinnamon like rolls. The, uh, you know, it, the Hero of the Soviet Union, for people who are not aware, is a lot like the Medal of, uh, of Honor, except both civilians and soldiers could get it. I feel like we talked about it during one of our, I think, fuck it was had to do with stalingrad uh consider this a primer (laughs) um so another major problem that had uh between the two sides was that the soviets were attempting to heal the divide with the afghan communist party uh so there's a there was a split in the afghan communist party uh, between uh factions the parchams and the cults um who divided largely demographically um It's not really worth going into the difference. It's kind of like Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. They're the same fucking thing. Um, Just different names? They just, a lot of it had to do with, since Afghanistan's a very, very, very factionalized country and it was even worse back then than it is today. Right. um, A lot of it just had to do with city you were from or what uh, ethnic group you were Uh, from. And that just happened to be what party you were a Which you were banging. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, Daud knew he was better off with the party divided um, because if they weren't fighting each other, they might fight him. Um, And if they were, they just couldn't unite. So he was like, yeah, I kind of like it this way, which is exactly what happened in 1977, um, which brought uh, a guy named Taraki and Carmel together uh, in the first joint party meeting in Moscow. This is helped along by the fact that Daoud consolidated power by declaring Afghanistan a one party state, Uh, a party of his own creation named the National Revolutionary Party. This move effectively stripped the communists of any power, so they went to Moscow to have a joint party, and the Soviets like, we got you, bro. Yeah, all these parties, 70s, disco. I like this. I don't know, man. There's not a lot of disco happening in boring-ass 70s Soviet countries. Do you know that? Have you listened to their music? It's just like some very deep... Voiced people singing about agricultural equipment—it's awful. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> Just about their fucking hammers. Like I, I will say, the Soviet Union's national anthem fucking slaps. But other than that, it does. Music's bad. Um, so it's rumored around this time that the Soviet Union began funneling large amounts of money and intelligence to the Communist Party. Both factions um, is pretty well known at the time that the government circles that the Soviet GRU, which is like the military intelligence, uh, was recruiting Afghan military officers for a possible coup. The Gru? Yeah. Uh it's like the, was it the, He's the fucking hero slash villain of just despicable me. So just a whole agency of Gru's. Uh, the entire country quickly turned into a powder keg that was just about to go off. Um, and the only thing was waiting for Dode's stupid ass to light the match. And he did. Because Dode's a fucking idiot. In 1978, Mir Akbar Khyber, one of the senior leaders and intellectuals of the Parcham faction, was assassinated outside of his home. Now, Daoud immediately pointed out to the Kalk faction, or Hekmatar's uh, milit- militia as being the ones that are probably behind this. Did he have any advisors? Daoud? Yeah. Yeah, they all just listened to him because they are afraid of being murdered. Oh, okay. They didn't advise... So they weren't advisors? No, they are yes-men. Uh, okay. Most of the time, strongmen... Dumb people who seize the the reins of power don't actually have advisors because everybody's afraid to actually advise. Yeah, a bunch them. of hype men. Yeah, yeah, you do that. It, dude. Fuck! It, it reminds me of um, when Mike Tyson was like at the height of his popularity and and wealth. He hired a guy. I think his name's like Crocodile. Uh, he went by the name Crocodile. That's awesome. That Already. would just sit at the back of his press meetings and yell guerrilla warfare randomly. And he got paid $30,000. Dude, I would love to have that job. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that's the kind of guy that Do- Daoud had in his office. Hi, I'd like to see your resume. Guerrilla warfare. Guerrilla warfare, sir. You're hired. Sweet. <laughs> um, so the Parchams blamed everybody from the government to the Calcs and even the Soviets to killing him. Um, regardless, at Kyber's funeral, over 15,000 people showed up to pay their respects. They chanted slogans against the CIA, Daoud, and even the Shah of Iran just terrified Daoud. Who's Our third host? Oh, the CIA. Yeah. Go and hit the hit the hip hop siren. Bam yeah. bam CIA always makes a fucking appearance. Also, I'd be happy if thirty people showed up to my funeral. So, you should, do dry, you should just going. do a dry run. Yeah, just fake oh, it, yeah. fake your death and hold awake and see who shows up. I mean, I won't. I have at a, a go kart track. I have a thing. I can't make it, but it'll be at a go kart. track. My dog track. might make it. It'll be at a go kart track. No, you should Still have it. Do it. At a, at a funeral home, and then so when people come up to see your, your casket, they'll be like, wait, there's no body in there. What happened? And then disco lights come on, bass starts pumping hard, like fucking Tiesto or something, and then a dead body comes down on strings. Yeah. Who's dead body? That's, f- be- that's for you to figure out who's dead body that's going to be? Wearing leather BDSM. Fucking Kimp suit. So just playing it like a puppet. Yeah. And that is officially the worst thing we've well, ever joked about. <laughs> While well, me and you are at the go kart track, sweet, we're not going to the go kart track. We have to videotape the the fake funeral. We get. A, I set up a tripod, and then we can go to the go kart track. Okay, That's, I want to go to a go kart track. By the see, way, th- this is this is the problem with today's politics. We just had a compromise. They don't do that anymore. Mm. We compromised. They should the go-kart. go to the go kart track. <laughs> we, maybe we compromised on a go kart track. Also a fake funeral. So with, with a smoke machine. Let's make it a smoke machine too. Ooh. Um, so Daoud is now scared of the show of power from uh, people solidifying themselves being the communist party. Um, he assumed the entire crowd is communist, uh, which they mostly were, but it, it, and he decided, he decided this is a good place to show his strength. And, it, and they all needed to be shown who was in charge. Oh, does he do some fuck shit? He always does. Uh, Daud ordered a crackdown against the party leadership, regardless of which faction they had belonged to. While Carmel and Taraki were thrown in jail, a guy named Hafizullah Amin was only placed under house arrest. Uh, Amin sent his son, who for some reason was not under house arrest and still had the freedom of movement to alert the KALK loyalists within the Afghan army, what was happening by noon that same day. 27 April, a column of tanks was rolling through the streets the of Kabul. Fuck? Jets were swooping low and what bombed the, the presidential palace. And the government could not put together any kind of organized resistance. All because someone couldn't keep an eye on a kid. Jesus. When it got away with a tooth, <laughs> was it for you meddling kids? This dude had a fucking runner. All right, hey, look here, it kid. It was his son. <laughs> Check this out. I'm under house arrest, as you can tell. Also, like, imagine being... A- uh, uh, like a, a, a major or a colonel or whatever in the Afghan army and just some kid shows up like, hey, I'm a means kid. They're fucking trying to like keep under house arrest. He's like, that checks out. Let's get the tanks. Like <laughs> who believes kids? Right. And I mean, maybe they knew his extended family, but like this is a big fucking group of people we're talking about. Yeah. They sent fucking tanks. Like, why did you, why did you roll in the, why did you start bombing the presidential palace? I uh, means kid told me to. I wonder to. how much like power this kid had afterwards he's just like holy fuck i i can do that um seeing how no one that i've talked about so far has a happy ending i'm assuming it's not good man we don't know <laughs> maybe he went somewhere else yeah so um this is all of course helped along by the minister of defense the c- commander of the army and the air force chief of staff were all in on the plot so i mean he had the um the um the, the groundwork in place that would all that was all that would be needed, which is good, um but also again, they were all alerted by a small child, yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't believe children, so no, if a kid came up to me like tomorrow and said, "Hey, Nick's in danger, get your gun and follow me I'm like, no, not gonna do that. that's <laughs> stupid. you wouldn't even check in on that. I don't even think you'd text me, maybe not i mean I guess they didn't have they didn't have the uh the the niceties of just texting someone, but that wouldn't that be a bitch? Yeah, I'm under house for arrest. Lol. So when the plot was all over with, by the next morning, Kabul was totally under the control of the army, and Daoud and his brother were dead. Dead with them was the Republic of Afghanistan. In its place, the new glorious Democratic Republic of Afghanistan. No, there was no difference. <laughs> it's if you, of, if you have a piece if you have a if your house is falling apart, and you slap a new coat of paint on it. Still a piece of shit. (laughs) Still a piece of shit under that nice, Um, fresh coat. Most people in Afghanistan, or at least Kabul, were happy with the new government at first. Daoud was a pretty corrupt guy, and they were still dealing with the effects of a famine that actually began under the king, but had gotten much worse under Daoud. So Daoud gets all the blame for it, which isn't totally fair, but also fuck him, who gives a shit? Yeah, blame him too. To try to head off any political infighting, there were strict measures in place to ensure both the Parchams and the Kalks had seats in government. For instance, Taraki, a Kalk, was prime minister, while Karmal, a Parcham, was senior deputy minister. Amin, the guy who kind of started the whole revolution, was made foreign minister. Which kind of sucks if you started the whole thing like, "Eh, you're on the podium, but you're in third place. Yeah. Do you think he's still under house arrest? Like, this is bullshit. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out you're a lot better when your kid's doing your job for you. Yeah. Uh, Once in power, the Communist Party, officially known as the People's Democratic Party, uh, began to craft Afghanistan in the image of the USSR. This included changing the flag and declaring a total equality between the sexes. Um, And this also included letting women be involved in politics for the first time. Mm. Um, Women were allowed to become officers in the military, and many of them became combat pilots. USSR started sending them tracksuits. Started, they just started exporting them in bulk because, yes. in order to be part of the Soviet Union or follow Soviet Union ideas, you got to have Gopniks. Yep. <laughs> Give us. They instituted a land redistribution program and limited the amount of land any one family could own. Um, and this is a pretty big deal in the staunchly conservative rural areas of Afghanistan, right. which it needs to be pointed out. Kabul did not control them. Um, What's the limit of the. Like, it was were they pretty, limited? It was pretty small. But it, it it was made so before there was large landowners and right. they effectively had um serfs and just not as as strict. Uh it's kind of share cropping, like after oh, the Civil War, okay. but yeah. it was how things had worked for so long. It like blew everybody's mind that it changed. But these rural areas Kabul had never controlled. Like one of the reasons why the king had a peaceful Afghanistan that wrecked by civil war is because he understood it's like my rule really doesn't leave the cities. It's fine. Do what yeah. you do out in the village. Um, <laughs> it's fucking Thunderdome out the, there. Yeah. And I mean, it was all ruled by um, village elders, um, religious clerics, stuff like that. Um, and for the first time, the government's really trying to control what they do in their everyday life. And it, they're not big fans. Um, and also these lands have been passed on from generation to generation. So it's like, it's not you're taking my land, you're, like, you're wronging my family. Yeah. And I mean, there's, there's enough you could say about how fucked up it is just for one family to own all the land and force everybody else to pretty much work as slaves for them. That's wrong. Don't do that. But this isn't the system to go about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, checks out. We're going to take a little bit of your land, but tracksuits for everybody. You know, you can't good eat trade, a track Good trade. <laughs> Unfortunately, you can't eat a tracksuit, which ended up being a problem. No, but Uh, you can... uh... Unfortunately, while this is all good in theory, giving land out to landless peasants, great theory, it was kind of bad in practice. The government gave the land away to people who had no history of ever running the farms. Now, many of these people had history in planting crops, stuff like that, but they didn't know how to run a farm, Uh, nor did it provide them with any training to catch up in that knowledge gap. Right. Um, So now, suddenly, all these people had no idea with large tracts of land they had just been given. This quickly made crop yields plummet, because of course it did, and Taraki quick, quickly took the land back away from the peasants and gave it back to the farming family so it in the first place, because he realized, holy shit, we're all gonna fucking starve. <laughs> I fucked up. I mean, it, it, they were already suffering from a famine, so again, Taraki kind of gets away with it. He's like, well, things were already bad, so <laughs> I didn't make him any worse. But didn't, didn't he... It seems like he did. Oh, yeah, because, I mean, uh, the way... I know nothing about agriculture. I grew up in a city. Same, same, Z's. I mean, from what I understand, these crop rotations have to be planned out months and months ahead of time, so crops can be, you know, grown and right. then and I harvested. Imagine when people and people had the eat. fields. they were kind of like, when do I do this? Yeah, like normally I just dig holes and pull crops. I don't know yeah. how to do rotations and stuff nor do I know how to manage a goddamn farm. What month are we in? <laughs> this, is, this is like taking the guy who works in the mailroom and making him CEO yeah. for quality sake. It's like, uh, well, you, you, you lost the message somewhere. Like, we get it. They, he should probably have more money and is saying how the company's ran. But don't put him in charge. <laughs> um, they also outlawed Ursary, which I think this is like the third episode we've talked about this, which is weird that we keep talking about banking so often. Um, so for people who don't remember, Ursary is loans that enrich people who loan money. It's interest, but normally it's like predatory amounts of interest. Um, unfortunately, Taraki's government did this to offering any alternative traditional money lending systems that had been working in the countryside. Um, this is another kick in the junk for every working class Afghan who depended on these loans in the countryside. Um, so normally the same people who are running these farms are also fronting money to people who needed money and then they would pay them back. It was like a, a pretty uncentralized banking system. Right. And it wasn't good. It was definitely a predatory. Sounds fucking terrible. And it, ex- it is it's effectively farm-based payday loans. Yeah. The problem being is that's how things had been run for generations and nobody had any idea how to survive without it. And Taraki didn't give them any alternatives. <laughs> It's just like, nope, you can't do that anymore. Figure it out. Yeah. Like, this is how we figured it out. <laughs> it's like, we literally scratched the dirt for a living, man. Give us something. It's like, no, now you can't have money either. <laughs> Fuck you. Um, this guy's a scumbag. They further pissed off the mostly conservative rural people of Afghanistan by changing the country's flag from an Islamic green to a communist red. Um, you fucked up. This seems like something pretty minor. Um you would think, but the thing is, is even with a king and and Daoud in place and and whoever else, the countryside, like I've pointed out, is is incredibly separate from the from the urban people of Afghanistan, and they were very religious. So any even mild slight towards Islam was like what the fuck, and how and so they changed the whole country's flag. Could you imagine what would happen if we changed something on the flag? Like anything. Literally anything. Like, I'm convinced if we get a new state, people would argue leaving that star out just because for oh, tradition. Yeah. yeah. Like, we've literally changed it 50 fucking times, guys. <laughs> it was actually pretty recent. Yeah. It wasn't too far, like, long ago. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure they'll, they'll only be okay with, unless it's a thin blue line, <laughs> it, it won't change. If there was, if there was a, a line on the flag for, for podcasting, what, what color would it be? Ooh. I think green. Green. Yeah. It would be this green. Yeah, like a sh- like a baby shit green. Because that is, is this a- baby shit to you? Yeah. <laughs> you you don't even have one. Go fuck yourself. It's, have it, you ever seen baby shit? No, I haven't. I don't have a baby. Exactly. <laughs> um so historians actually place the majority of motivating factors for the Mujahideen um joining each other to go to in the coming war at the feet of Taraki's agricultural reforms. Uh, rather than the Soviet uh, intervention that was to come. Most Mujahideen were poor people from the countryside whose livelihoods depended on farming. And the Land Reform and Banking Acts took food out of their mouths and stole their job. And honestly, it's hard not to blame them because it really does look like Taraki sat down at a table like, how can I fuck over farmers? While he's eating all their food too. While he's eating the food that they farmed, yeah. Uh, The government also did something nobody else ever would press the shit out of Afghanistan. Um, So while prior reforms and modernization efforts from the government, uh, like the kings, um, pretty much just stay in the cities, um, like the the universal suffrage, the colleges, all these education programs, they were for city dwellers. So is this, this is the fresh paint on the shitty house that we're talking about? This is as if you painted your house over and over and over again, completely ignoring the garage. And then... 10 years later, 15 years later, or whatever, you decide the garage also needs a paint, like a new paint job. So your neighbor's like, what the fuck is he doing with the garage? Because everybody's come to accept that's what your shitty garage looks like. (laughs) And now you've painted it fluorescent pink and nobody's happy with it. HOA gets involved. In this case, HOA is the Soviet Union. That would look great. (laughs) I think fluorescent pink would look great. So the main problem with this is like I pointed out, is everybody just kind of ex- accepted that they were part of a country but they ignored the government. And the government let them ignore them. And that was the weird handshake agreement they had that's, for generations. This is the first time that's changing. That's super weird just to hear. Yeah, Just because, you know, our government is so involved. We're used to having a centralized right. government. I mean, there there's many places in Afghanistan today that the Afghan government has absolutely no control over. Other than the fact that there's an you know an act of insurgency going on um so the local afghan leaders and clerics had total control their villages and families before they uh before they took power pushed back against any kind of secularism and and modernization or any kind of implementation of communist ideas in their village um before this all it took was for the government to just shrug and move on but not anymore So in the book Soldiers of God by Robert Kaplan, he says, quote, The soldiers knock on the door in the middle night so common in many Arab and African countries was little known in Afghanistan, where a central government simply lacked the power to enforce its will outside of Kabul. Taraki's school changed all that. Between 1978 and 1979, Afghan communists executed 27,000 political prisoners at the sprawling Poli Charki prison six miles outside the capital. Many of the victims were village mullahs and headmen. Who, had, who were obstructing the modernization and secularization of the tensely religious Afghan countryside. It was carried out in such a violent way that it alarmed even the Soviets, End quote. So, I've been to Policharki. That place is fucking huge, but also I don't know how right. you fit tens of thousands of people in it. So, I'm assuming there was more like an assembly line of death. Ugh. Like, you got brought in, you're guilty, bam. <laughs> It's right there. Like, there's, they're not, there's no Please, way... sir, step on the dead body. Maybe Here that, your charges. That's how the NKVD and the KGB operated for decades. So I wouldn't be surprised if they use that as some not kind of framework. Yeah. Which brings us to the purges, because, of course, there's purges. Um, oh. When the Saar Revolution kicked off, the Afghan military had around 8,000 officers in it. They're trying to get more and more officers educated in the Soviet Union. Uh, and they had gotten that number up to around 800 people by 1978. Uh, these officers were considered politically solid as well as well-educated. I mean, you can see why a communist government wants to send their uh, their officers to a communist country to get educated. Political education is important if you want to spread ideas. And also, they can get a middle, military education that was just not possible in Afghanistan. Yeah, And I would argue it's still not possible in Afghanistan today. Um, most of these helped Taraki come to power. So, of course, he had to get rid of any Daoud loyalists or people still loyal to the king in order to centralize Who's power. Who loyal to him? To Taraki? No, Dilude. There some people. I mean, Daoud took power in a coup, so That's he had enough true, people yeah. on his back, um, which, if you notice by the numbers I gave you, that means he wanted to kill or fire most of his officers. Um, it didn't even matter if you were loyal to the government now and uh, were to the previous governments. Your past affiliation meant way more than your current loyalty. That is why out of a graduation class of 282 officers who had returned from, the Russian milita- from a Russian military academy, 126 were executed within six months. Holy fuck. Purges were conducted in the army every month the mean was in power um, as foreign minister. Would, you, would it be, how, how were they investigated? Like people in the army? Uh, how did they go about it? Or, was it? or was it hearsay like he supports? That? I think, so it's probably a combination. I feel um, like it's a hearsay. I tell you, uh, there's probably a lot of denunciations, uh, kind of like uh, during the French Revolution. I denounce you as mm. being counter-revolutionary. That's all it took. Uh, during the Iranian Revolution, much the same. I, I feel like it's probably a lot of that. Or if you happen to be an officer when Daoud was in power, you're just things, fucked. Yeah, yeah. Things don't bode well for you. Uh, purges were conducted every month while Amin was a foreign minister. The most active, the most independent thinking, and the most ardent who could not accept him were eliminated. Uh, to fill the shortage of young officers, a three-month commander's training course was organized for which Pashtuns devoted to him were selected. At the end of the course, they received the rank of lieutenant and were sent to military units. They were known as the fledgling. What? Because uh, they knew, uh, they. I mean, normally officer's education is like years long. Right. They did it in three months. The so they, fledgling? The fledglings. They couldn't Because they couldn't fledglings. even fly. Yeah. Traki also saw plots and coups around every corner because he's turning into a paranoid, crazy do. person. Uh, I mean, you kind of have to, and you piss yeah. off so many people, and you're just like killing thousands and thousands of people. You're like, someone's going to come knocking for you eventually. Right. Uh, While you're watching TV, you just pause it for a second and just look over the shoulders. It's like, I'm guilty of this. Late at night, you hear something. I'm like, huh, what was that? He completely misses that step. He hears something, and they're like, someone's trying to kill me. <laughs> That's what my dog does. Yeah. Somebody's in the house. So that's exactly what... Every time the wind blows, your dog barks at it. That's him, except he's a man and he has guns and an army and <laughs> and he's just shooting people instead of barking at the wall. Um, so during... Oh, a, it was a, just the maid. <laughs> during a Politburo meeting, Politburo meeting, uh, Taraki managed to get the party to support his new idea, which was only Calchists were allowed to make any political decisions, effectively making the Parchamps powerless. Move. Um it was if that wasn't enough, the Calks suddenly became aware of a parchan plot to overthrow the government and restore themselves the power. This allowed so, the Calks to just murder everyone they didn't like. No, the plot was not real. Okay. <laughs> they completely made it up. Yeah. Because of course they did. Okay. So this guy favored Cucks. Calks with an L. I'm going with Cucks.
1: <laughs> I heard uh, Culks.
0: In yes. September of 1979, a list was published uh of people executing during the purge. It listed 50,000 people. It's a giant blacklist. It was considered a partial list. A partial list? <laughs> Jesus. That's like. So it's pretty recent, actually. I heard a change of command speech uh-huh. recently. This motherfucker said, All right, I'll make this a short speech. I would hate to hear his long speech. It was fucking terrible. And this is a partial list? 50,000 people? Dead. Yeah. I would hate to see the long list, like the uh, actual I list. I just don't think the actual list exists, uh, which Maybe. I don't know. I'm torn because one thing, say one thing, which you will uh, about most despotic governments. But um, the, the Soviet Union and most of their functionaries and satellite states are really good at keeping records. Um, so there's a good chance that there's a full accountability somewhere. but I, I just don't know. It's yeah. like it's, it's, it's like the Holocaust. We know as much as we know about the Holocaust because the Germans kept really good paperwork. Yeah. Um, so it's probably a lot like that. Um, Douchebags were really good at paperwork. Yeah, it turns out when you, when you make a giant soulless bureaucracy, it does what giant soulless bureaucracies do and just generate massive amounts of paperwork. Um, so all of this oppression and murder eventually caused a mutiny within the ranks of the Afghan army in the city of Herat in 1979. The soldiers were soon joined by imams and mullahs who were upset by the un-Islamic reforms of the communist government. The government lost control of the city in a matter of hours. What followed was nothing short of anarchy. Soldiers and civilians rioted and burned half the city to the ground. (laughs) Government officials were killed on sight and anybody with an uncovered head, which indicated being not religious, suffered the same fate. The Afghan-Soviet advisors were also killed, putting the number as high as 200. Um, Their families also had an unhappy ending. This led to Taraki requesting Soviet assistance to quell the mutiny. The Soviets refused, thinking that introducing their forces would only make the situation worse. Instead, they began to uh, pour weapons and vehicles into Afghanistan and try to slap some duct tape on Taraki's rapidly deteriorating army. Uh, About one week after the mutiny began, the Afghan army was able to retake the city through carpet bombing and indiscriminate artillery barrages. Around 25,000 people were killed. Oh. In 1992, a mass grave was found that dated back to the uprising that uncovered around 2,000 soldiers and mullahs who were executed in the direct aftermath of the government. This is pretty obvious because their hands were tied behind their back and they were shot in the back of the head. 2,000? 2,000. And a neat line. Oh, it's good. It's neat. Yeah. Soon, mutinies and rebellions begin to flare up all around the country as Taraki rapidly lost control of the country. Ah, uh, this included one in the capital of Kabul itself at a historical fortress named Bala Hassar. Uh No longer was it conservatives pushing back against reforms. Soon these conservatives were joined by anti-government communists of all backgrounds and dissident army soldiers. Trahi fucked up so badly he pissed off other communists into joining the fight. Uh, there's a lot of shit going on here, yeah, and this is right up there with that lion's d- disappointment. I know it's coming too. Yeah, well, I don't I don't know how I could be more disappointed. Everybody's just shooting each other. This growing insurgency could not be handled well by the faction uh by the factional government of Afghanistan. Soon Taraki and his second command, Amin, began to think of different ways to handle the situation. They blamed everyone but themselves for the insurgency, of course. Taraki blamed the UK and the British Broadcasting Corporation of all people, while Amin blamed America, India, and Pakistan. <laughs> Uh, Amin tried to win over their enemies by playing a part of a devout Muslim, uh, like, "Well, look, some of us communists still believe in Allah." Instead, uh, all he did was piss off the Shia Muslims, who read a rebellion of their own inside Kabul. There's another disappointment. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many. They're just not what good at this. Fuck? It's like the monkey's paw. It's like I I, I wish really everybody would that believe. Story though, it's such a good story. I, I really wish people would believe. I'm a devout Muslim. A monkey paw finger curls inward. <laughs> Leave the Sunnis believe you <laughs> Fuck <laughs> Oh, I still want to know what happened At the end um, So the cascading series of problems Caused Taraki to retreat into his office And do what any of us would do Whenever we're faced by insurmountable problems Get shit faced Nice <laughs> This caused everyone around him to begin to question His ability to lead the country Cause of <laughs> hey, course it did This guy's getting shit assed in his office <laughs> Yeah. He's trying fuck? to challenge us to flip cup on his desk <laughs> Sir, there's a rebellion in, in in Kabul. Shut the fuck up and watch me make this beer, this beer pong shot. Yeah. God damn it. You missed again, sir. Who said that? As Amin was technically the sober one of the group, he managed to get a Politburo of Afghanistan to agree to a collective leadership scheme. Uh, this generally was used as a way to rule by consensus. Uh, He's but the DDD. Yeah, it, the drunk designated driver. He's the best drunk out of yeah, all of them. Yeah, because he was drinking heavily too. Oh, okay, he, so. he played like the devout Muslim in, in, in public, but like most people in power, he was using drugs, prostitutes, and, and drinking his ass off. Hookers and gun. cocaine. Yeah. Hold on. Let me lay out my prayer rug. There's cameras nearby and do lines off it. <laughs> Every time he went down, just. <laughs> yeah. I love this coke, is good. Uh, so, really, the, the government of consensus was really just a way for Amin to outmaneuver Taraki, who was too drunk to see what was going on around him. Which it worked. Uh, soon, only Amin's people would be in government. Now he had all his free time on his hands, Taraki stopped over in Moscow, where the USSR begged him to remove Amin from power. While more and more Soviet military advisors flooded the country, Amin openly talked about how he questioned the Soviets' intention and began to move closer to China. At the same time, Taraki's aides hatched a plan to kill Amin. Because if you can't outmaneuver him, you can kill him. Just give maids, uh, Which failed miserably because Amin was alerted to the men's intent before it happened. Mm. Um... When Taraki arrived back in Kabul, he immediately held a cabinet meeting where he tried to fire Amin. Amin, who was sitting right there, confronted Taraki at the fact he just tried to have him fucking killed. You're a bitch. <laughs> and demanded everybody involved in the plot be hung. Taraki actually laughed in his face and said Amin should take his position being an ambassador overseas somewhere, effectively exiling him. Amin, in a rage, called him a worthless drunk and said that, he, that he's the one that should be exiled. If I was at the table... I- Who's in charge? Yeah. None of the government <laughs> government ministers involved was like, I'm not sure who I should be listening to anymore. Yeah. I'm just going to sit here and do drugs with the president. Yeah. <laughs> Whichever one parties the hardest. And it was then, on 13 September, two days after the last meeting, Amin was invited to have lunch with Taraki, and he declined, saying he'd rather have his resignation, which I, I guess is as, as close as a government comes to dropping a sick burn. Um, but Amin was pushed by the Soviet ambassador to go to lunch. I sa- "I hear assassination. I hear it. Uh, so did everybody else. Um, so he went to lunch. Pretty much as soon as he arrived. Poison food. Uh, nope. He just got shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> food good. <laughs> the food. This isn't a handbreaker. It's an AK-47. <laughs> yeah. uh, but he escaped only lightly wounded. What? Amin jumped in a car and drove to the Ministry of Defense and ordered to, uh, all the men to arrest Taraki. Before the sun went down, tanks are once again rolling down the street. Who's in charge? <laughs> Imagine being a citizen of Kabul, like, oh, fuck, the tanks are back. <laughs> I guess we have a new president now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and Amin again returned to the presidential palace, this time backed by dozens of soldiers and placed Taraki under arrest. So in case you're losing track, Amin is now technically in power. Yeah. It's Okay. Uh, n- knowing how much the Soviets loved Taraki uh, he, uh, Amin gave the Soviets the courtesy call and asked Leonid Brezhnev head of the of the Soviet state if he cared if he killed him Brezhnev reportedly said quote it's up to you I don't care I'm joking <laughs> give us I mean if that just goes to show you like how how good how powerful it is just being a friend of the Soviets or how little it actually means it's like I don't give a fuck just shoot him I don't care yeah I imagine he didn't give a fuck friendship with Taraki cancelled Amin his new best friend shouldn't have missed with the food gun um this told Amin that not only did the Soviets not care about Taraki but now they supported him which means I think he kind of missed a pretty big car there like the Soviets didn't really give a shit about either one of them Uh, it's like dude I don't care just handle your shit yeah. Handle your shit. Get, get all your shit together. Put in the suitcase. Handle your shit. <laughs> um, he I'm had, sure if Taraki if made the call, they would say the same shit. No, I mean, they. the Soviets just didn't give, I don't a, give fuck. a fuck. Do the Soviets, something. The Soviets did not care who's in charge. They just want Afghanistan to get their shit together. You um, guys are repping us and fucking it all up. You're making communism look real bad over there. <laughs> yeah. Who's in charge? <laughs> so. You would imagine that, like I don't know, uh, Taraki would be shot, hung, stabbed. Maybe what would they do? Smothered him with fucking pillows. Of all things, That's they adorable. smothered him with pillows. Did they let him sleep first? Ah, uh, they let him sleep forever. Like maybe he was having a a good night's sleep, and they said the goodest night's Shh. sleep. No, this is all in the middle of a gunfight with tanks rolling through the capital, what? which is like. <laughs> Really weird because, like, all this is going on. Like, no, no, Traki, let's go where the magic is made. Like, drag him into his bed and then smother him with a fucking Quick, pillow. Give me my smother pillow. Yeah. No, 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 not my sleep pillow, my smothering pillow. That's uh, my pillow fight pillow. So, as you can imagine, Amin's appointment to every leading seat of the government was unanimous. He also began to try to reduce Afghanistan's ties to the Soviet Union, which include him meeting with leading anti communists in the country, Hekmatar. Uh, Ooh, that's a name you said earlier It is Uh, Unfortunately for Amin, nobody liked him anymore Uh (laughs) Uh, Once in charge, he tried to pivot to the religious crowd again Claiming uh, the revolution was about Islam And he began to uh, hand out copies of the Quran wherever he went Remember, he just had a hand in killing thousands of mullahs Because they didn't like his brand of communism You can imagine that absolutely nobody was buying this shit Hey guys, I'm cool as fuck This is exactly like every time uh, a critical thinking person, uh, like an American politician starts quoting the Bible. But like, you know, that motherfucker had like some deep state abortion from some uh, like hooker or uh, a side piece that he had back. And they're like, dude, you're just painting. You're just slapping a cross on it and calling it good. He just slapped a crown. He's like, we're good now, right? I grew a beard. I got a Quran. We're friends. Nobody bought this shit. Absolutely nobody. He's that old guy that tries that cool. How's it going, my fellow kids? Yeah. How's it going? <laughs> How about we Pokemon bros? Go to the mosque? <laughs> uh, if Amin wanted to get closer to the U.S., that was also no longer a possibility because after Amin accidentally killed an American bassiner to Afghanistan. Uh, okay, so Alda, a guy named Adolf Dubs. Uh, it's a terrible name. Yeah, uh, you can't have the name Adolf you anymore. Really can't. I mean, this is technically close enough where he could have had this name before World War Two. Uh, Ambassadors are are normally old. Uh, So, American ambassador to Afghanistan, Adolf uh, Dubs, was kidnapped by somebody. To this day, everybody argues about who did it. Uh, Whether it was anti communist uh, Islamic militants, the government, the Soviets, nobody's really sure. Just a bunch of randos. Just a bunch of guys trying to get money. All these things are possibilities. Um, I would put my money on the PDPA government. So, because what I could see happening is Amin is desperately swinging for the fences, trying to make friends. And he's like, I know a good way to make friends with the U.S. I'm going to kidnap the ambassador so I can rescue him and look really good. The problem was, they stormed in the building and killed everybody, including the ambassador. We're saving you. (laughs) Stop resisting. In the meantime, Soviet officials showed concern with Amin's increasingly brutal crackdown methods as he attempted to quell the growing insurgency in Afghanistan. They were outright alarmed when Amin reached out to the president of Pakistan, who is a U.S. ally, for a meeting. And I don't know what exactly he was doing, but whatever he was doing was horrible enough to scare the Soviets. Who, like, really wrote the doctrine mm. on fucking up dissidents. Um, just to underline how wide the gap was between the two sides, when a Soviet official met with Amin in his office in Kabul, uh, the official point out that Amin still had a portrait of Joseph Stalin on his desk and even the Soviet Union had moved on from them. Uh, So for people who are not aware, um, after um, Stalin died, Khrushchev took power and um, uh, pretty much immediately denounced Stalin and uh, the process called de-Stalinization where they're like, Stalin did a lot of fucked up shit and he was a criminal and he was bad. We're moving on. We're not doing Stalinism anymore. So like, the Soviet Union even admitted that Stalin was was a bad guy. Um, so even after all those intensive de-Stalinization programs, um, Amin idolized him for, quote, building socialism in a backwards country. Mustache. And it should be noted that even Lenin did not want Stalin to take over when he died. He wanted Trotsky to take over. And send, <laughs> fucking Stalin had Trotsky beaten to death yeah. with a goddamn ice axe. While he was in Mexico, it's a completely different story. Um, so, shortly after that, on December 13th, the Soviet ambassador to Afghanistan, Alexander Puzanov, took part in an attempt on Amin's life, which failed. An army cook slipped poison into Amin's food that was provided to him by Puzanov. When the um, face is a poo's, action goes boom. So, that's all I can say. The problem cool. was Amin was trying to cut down on liquor. To cut down on liquor, he was drinking Coke instead. They slipped the poison into his Coke. The carbonation of his Coca-Cola rendered the poison powerless. Well, mostly powerless. It wouldn't kill him. Did he get like a gnarly... It fucked him up pretty bad. It made him pretty sick. Um, Amin was still feeling... uh, Had a feeling that the Soviets were involved on this attempt on his life. And he openly said so to his cabinet. Which unfortunately was so thoroughly infiltrated by KGB agents uh, that it did not take long uh, to... For that information that Amin blamed the Soviets to be immediately reported <laughs> back to the Soviets, um, who then reached out to Babrak Karmal, who was hiding in exile uh, after the crackdown in the par Jams. Finally, the KGB, uh, the head of the KGB himself, Yuri Andropov, argued in favor of direct intervention in Afghanistan's affairs which I would argue just happened because they tried to kill the president of Afghanistan. But whatever. He blamed Amin directly for the near destruction of Afghanistan's military through desertion and mutiny and the instability of the government. Um, and he couldn't handle anything without resorting to mass repression. All those were facts. Um, Everything checks out. Now... uh This whole time, it needs to be pointed out that Amin was asking for Soviet intervention, direct Soviet intervention. And the Soviets were saying, no, 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 we don't want to get involved in this insurgency. This finally broke their back. And that was when the Soviet Union launched Operation Storm 333 on the 27th of December 1979 to overthrow Amin. And that is where we will pick up next week. No. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Gotta leave you at a cliffhanger. You we really do coming back. That's a great name, Storm three thirty three. The Soviets had a penchant for solid operation. Yeah, because it's almost as good as Order sixty six. I mean, back in the day, the U.S. used to be good at operation names too. Until they started calling things like Freedom and Liberty operation. Operation, I'll get fucked. Yeah, o- Operation Enduring Enema or whatever. Like, <laughs> it, like Operation Overlord was like the oh. D-Day. It was fucking awesome. Operation Market Neptune, Garden, Avalanche, not so cool. Market Garden was Market Garden such a good sounds story, like though. going to the market. Like we're going to, go, the to the ma- yeah. we go to the garden section. We go to the Farmer's Market. The Farmer's Market was great when we went. Yeah, Operation Farmer's Market. Which, it's, by the way... It's, it's where you walk down the street and get harassed by dudes top knots. Almost bought Viking armor. Yeah, that was really weird. It's really weird to find where we live. So we live in a small town in Washington State. And we have a small town Farmer's Market. And great there, market. There is a I guy selling viking ar- handmade viking armor. And uh while we wa- we weren't going to buy any because we don't have any money, but um there was um someone there arguing, "Yeah, I'm part viking." Yeah, that was some random shit that we heard Ugh. while we were eating our tubanos. And, and, uh, <laughs> and because it, it was a really small town, I know that guy, he's the librarian. So he did, he did have the library booth. Yeah. Um, and he's "I'm part viking." Yeah. Whatever. Super weird conversation to oh, have. Dude, it looks like he's part Big Bird, but whatever. Anyway, thank you for tuning in to Afghan Soviet yes. part one. Um, our Patreon goal is still up. We're trying to hit 500 bucks. Maybe get Viking armor. Who knows? Uh, if you do make us or uh, help us get to this goal, we will get you one bonus episode a week. If you um, donate $5 or more, if you donate less than that, still thank you for supporting the show. Um, you'll still get your one bonus episode a month and access to the discord and access to early episodes. So we're not taking anything away. We're just giving things to people, other people. Um, but we're effectively making the tier system an actual tier system. Yeah, pretty much. Okay. Um, so, uh, thank you everybody for supporting the okay. show. Thank you for supporting us through teespring. We have a whole bunch of t-shirts and stuff on there. Um, got my e shirt. I fucking yeah, love it. It's fucking sweet. It's awesome. Um, Rate and review us on iTunes if you will, because uh, that helps us attempt to fight back against the cloud of podcasts out there. You know, you call uh, uh, three white guys that get together? Tell me. Podcast. We broke that mold because you're not white. It's very Take true. that, internet. And we don't have a third. No, we don't. Because Superman doesn't count over there. Yeah. No, um, neither does Steven. No, uh, Steve- Steven Seagal is very white. Yeah, but I
1: don't he's, know. He's, he's just Just, at him. just he's, look at it. First of
0: all, Superman is technically an alien from outer space. He's I consider white. him Clark Kent over Steven there. Steven Seagal there is a white guy in yellow face attempting to act Asian. So he's like double the white. He almost like cancels out your Mexican. So check this out. Let me put my glasses on the Superman. Clark Kent, white guy. Then you won't know it's Superman. That's fair. That's fair. All right. So thank you everybody for... Uh, listening, and we will see you next week. Even flow.